Money makes the world go round, so they say, but both are changing rapidly. Open banking, AI, digital wallets and cryptocurrencies are among the technological changes reshaping the financial landscape. While bringing incredible benefits, it's made grasping the concept of money far more slippery and left customers and retailers with many questions. Welcome to Business Reporters, the Future of Payments campaign. In this four-part podcast series, we're talking to James Neville, the CEO and founder of Citizen, one of the first companies licensed to provide payments and identity services using open banking. Now, in the last episode, we spoke about the rapidly changing technological payments landscape. In this second episode, the focus turns to people, specifically customers and their changing behavior. James, welcome back. How have you seen customer behavior changing with the speed, as we spoke about last time, of this changing technology? I think consumers are now much more mobile than they ever have been. Certainly with the rise of digital banking and uh, and neobanks, people ask much, much, much more of their financial service providers than, than they ever have. And I've seen people quitting their banks to to go with some of the kind of challenges, the Monzos, the, the N26 and the Revoluts of this world. But in terms of consumer behavior, I've never seen so many children with cards. You know, my kids have a, a card that's issued off my bank account. They've got their cards connected to their phones. They've got Apple Pay on their phones. It's quite weird seeing little kids running around going, checking their balance and paying for ice creams with a with a phone. Again, it's remote control of, of your life, but it doesn't always work. And, you know, we might be a bit ahead because we're, we're into tech. Some people are, are not and, and struggle with it on the other dimension. I, I said the other episode that we we went to a petrol station in the, the fuel crisis and I went to pay with Apple Pay and the blinking thing only took cards in the machine. So I, I actually struggled to pay for the first time in, in a long time. But in terms of kind of consumer behaviors, you some of our product journeys, we looked at the kind of best practice for what's effectively an automated um, bank transfer. And one of the kind of guiding parts of, uh, of the open banking journey is to let consumers know who they're paying and what account number they're paying on. And actually, what people started to do on the journey, as soon as you showed them an account number and sort code, they went into their digital bank and started typing the account number and sort code without actually going down the payment journey. So there's kind of inherent behaviors of people. They see patterns of numbers and digits and, and, and they do a certain thing. And that's just habitual behavior for for people but pretty much everyone now has a neobank whether they you know whether they use that as a as a way to spend day to day as kind of way to kind of have their disposable income that certainly wasn't the case kind of three four years ago and contactless is absolutely everywhere i'm curious as a father why you said sometimes kids with cards work sometimes it doesn't i would have imagined as a CEO of a, of a company that you run, that this would be ideal. This is the next generation and they are going to be way ahead of anything that, we, that we're using now because I'm still a bit reluctant to use my phone with purchases. I'm, I'm just getting used to tap and pay with my card. <laughs> I think it's like the kids are probably the same as me. They forget absolutely kind of everything. So getting them to you know remember their wallet with a, a few kind of pounds in it, whatever, and actually dad remembering to give them that fiver at the end of the the week or some pocket money you know they're they're the kind of struggles automating all of that it helps i mean kids are always going to be the future when my middle child turned around to me a few months back and said dad can i start trading crypto wow (laughs) (laughs) okay what have you been watching i saw this thing on youtube dad and apparently you can make lots of money in crypto oh 
He saw that oh, video. <laughs> sure if we're going down that that journey right now, but you know, kids don't want to deal with cash, and it's actually that's been probably the biggest. The last couple of years have been the biggest driver of of that moving towards what's effectively a cashless society. And some people will will naturally win through that, and some people will will naturally lose. Unfortunately, my my mum, God bless her soul, really really struggled with a lot of online a lot of online stuff. And mm. actually, she always rather pay in cash. As soon as you take that away from someone, then they've got to navigate. ATM machines that they never really liked in the first place. They liked going into banks and, you know, getting money out and having that in their pocket and knowing what they were doing with it. And go all the way now into modern banking transactions. You you buy something online and you're you're asked to identify yourself again and quite often that's an SMS code. So somebody sends a text message with, with six digits to you and you have to type it in online. What about this place where you get no phone signal? You've yeah. got fiber. You've exactly got exactly where I live. Connectivity, right? Exactly. You're the you're the back of you know a set of flats in London, and just for that little that little room, the blinking internet doesn't work. So, oh, right, okay. So, how do I get that OTP code? You can't. You can't fulfill the transaction. So, you know that's a that's a detriment for both, obviously, for merchants and for and for consumers because they can't purchase online. Yes, if you are like me in one of those black spots of nowhere, it can be deeply frustrating. And when you hear these arguments of we're going to be cashless society in the next few years, I'm thinking, no, until the technology is absolutely right for everybody and people are comfortable to use it, we can't get there. But how far actually away from a cashless society, if you believe that's where we're heading, do you think we are one generation, two generations, never? I think we're probably about a generation away. I think cash is, is quickly becoming a, a thing of the past. Anyway, the pandemic drove that massively. And you'll see that with, if you even went to a, a pub or a restaurant that, that opened up in, in the kind of summer of 21, you couldn't pay with cash. You couldn't actually see somebody. You, you were scanning a code on a on a table and downloading an app and trying to navigate You know what was a hastily thrown together app for, for a lot of people and then effectively pay with your with your bank or your or your card at table and we you know we did a couple of um implementations over electronic point of sale devices but for exactly that that reason because you know the card transaction was actually more cumbersome than than paying directly with uh the, than with your bank but people will still have cash i don't think it's ever going to go away but in a certainly in the metropolitan environments like central london you're probably not going to be paying with cash mm. um in probably about five years from now there was a restaurant in um, New York in the pandemic that totally bans cash as well. And there was a there was a massive reaction to that because there's at least 5-10% of people that walk around with cash in their, in their wallets all the time. I'm just thinking, on an average morning, I probably pay for services and products, I don't know, five times before I even arrive at my desk. Uh, I pay for my coffee, uh, perhaps a newspaper. I'm old school and I like... I like to touch it. For my train journey, I may have even booked a holiday. I can dream. Not once did I have to spend more time on my payments than perhaps a few seconds. Everything was fast and smooth, possibly too much, so making it very, very easy to spend my money of a morning. And why would I or any consumer feel the need to have another payment method? Um, It's anything that that saves time. So, you know, there are different ways of, of paying for things at, at any moment in time so sometimes you'll choose to use your card because actually you're passing something and you just you, you contactless it or, or apple pay sometimes you'll be doing a higher value transaction actually a lot of people prefer to do high value transactions with their bank they feel safer doing a bank transfer 
in the same situation some people prefer using um, using digital wallets. So I don't think it's a case of innovation or an, a another payment method. We don't need another card. We don't need another contactless method. But it's all about getting people closer to the source of, of their funds. And you know, we believe obviously that the open banking and, and PSD2 across across Europe is a is a key driver of that. But um We've seen over the years, well, I mean, look, I, I, I go back in, in this industry a long time, but the, the early days of PayPal, for example, that little yellow and blue button that you saw on uh, on eBay when eBay was just a baby. Um, and how did they gain, gain, gain traction? They gave away a lot of free money. You know, they raised a lot of funds and they gave free money to, to, to people. You see the same thing conversely with, um, you know, Amex and, and Air Miles and Nectar, but you're effectively using a consumer credit device a credit card which has an interest rate bearing down on on your balance to pay for points on the other side and those points are you know they're fractional but you remember the days of collecting air miles if you're in a in a job you wanted to put it on your card and expense it back so you could slowly accumulate that that flight to new york that you you really wanted to to, to go on but the actual fractions are so 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 super small so i think the next iteration of payments is going to be something that aligns consumers to merchants so it has to save merchants money it has to solve the fraud problem for them mm. it has to be as simple as everything else but actually it needs to reward um needs to reward consumers for for using that that method and something of, of actual value rather than you know fractional points that we tend to accumulate over many many months or years i was wondering when we were talking about something that benefits the retailers but how do you incentivize customers to download a new application Points? I think I think the days of downloading a new application are, are fundamentally gone. I think mm. trying to drive another another PayPal is is very very unlikely. I mean, for us, we we started our journey with an app, and then we we realised pretty damn quick that without a lot of marketing funds or at least some virality behind it, getting an app into people's hands is a real real uphill struggle. But what you've seen is all of the social networks have kind of gone into payments and gone that that direction you know again with the you know, amp financial and and tencent over in uh, in asia and in china's had that it's had that scale to be able to to do it and it's gone all the way down into kind of ride sharing ride hailing you know the uber model sits within their apps now and you know that that that's going to be a model for for the future i mean look look at the way meta is going in in the us facebook instagram whatsapp you know, in social payments, you know, it's all their infrastructure. Again, Amazon runs its own infrastructure. One thing was interesting about Amazon that we, we noticed recently is they have a, a really, really tight integration with, with Amex. So you can actually see your, your points balance and accrual at a, a point of purchase. And they're, they're one of the few retailers that actually does that. And that just demonstrates the value of, you know, changing habituality or familiarity with, with an instant by rewarding people at a point of purchase. You mentioned yourselves, you have a, a payment solution. What is it? Uh, so we're an open banking platform. We allow consumers to pay uh, directly through their banks with you know just one touch uh, of their finger or a kind of blink of the eye. Again, to bring people closer to their funds um, without having to pull their card numbers out of their pocket, without pins and, and without passwords. And we... We feel we're the simplest, highest converting way to pay, um, but we are just growing. You know, we're, we're in the UK and across Europe right now. Um, we have ambitions to grow across um, the US and Asia as we uh, as we get larger. What's the role of the traditional bank in all of this? Um, credit, custody, trust, reputation. The role of the bank in in our architecture or in our systems, they are still 
the source of funds. You know, we are an introducer of the transaction to the bank by the by the customer. So the customer's presented with pay £100 to this merchant and they directly move the money from, from their account, from their bank, from their traditional bank or their near bank to the merchant. But it's kind of interesting. We started talking about consumer behavior. Lots of people, most people now, certainly in a metropolitan environment, have a traditional bank and they have a neobank as well. So they'll have their Monzo or, or Revolut as well as their um, NatWest account on, on the other side. Um, but they tend to keep their salary payments to you know their, their old school bank, if you want to call it an old school bank. So I think that kind of says a lot about the standing of, of banks, even even if people don't like the banks, they they trust them as as a protector of their funds, um, and the biggest participant in providing them with credit for their lifestyle, whether it's a, a mortgage or a you know some other kind of financing instrument, or even you know insurance that hangs off the bank. They are a institute of trust, and with that comes um, comes reputation and standing. What do you mean by pull and push transactions? So a pull transaction is uh, what you do when you present your card details to somebody. So you, you provide your, your card information to a gateway who passes it on to what's called an acquirer. And the acquirer contacts your bank digitally and pulls the money from your account and puts it in the, the, the merchant's account that you wanted to, to pay. Um, that's a pull transaction, right? Um, a push transaction is the converse of that. So it's typically a bank transfer or an open banking PSD2 um, payment initiation. So you are introduced to your bank by virtue of a transaction. So you're you're at a checkout, you wanna pay a hundred pounds, you choose to pay you know, a citizen or with open bank or PSD2, and you select your bank, then you're redirected to your banking app and your banking app then says, would you like to pay this much at a hundred pounds? And you go, yes. The point you push, yes, you're pushing your own money from your account directly to the merchant so nobody else can do it for you it is consensual because you are the person that initiates that that push and of course with um with consent and with uh with you initiating the transaction obviously comes lower lower form Mm. to the merchant so explain to me the mechanism then if i'm the consumer i'm using your solution where is my money stored how does it work so your money's always stored in your bank in the same way that your money's still in your bank when you use your your debit card. So instead of giving the keys to your bank account to somebody else, here's my card, here's my CVV number, take the money from my account, we're introducing you to the transaction. So it's called a, a payment uh, initiation. So we present you with the merchant that you're paying, their details, how much you're paying. You're asked to authorize the, the transaction within your banking app. Finally, before I let you go, where is this all heading? consumer behavior i think we'll go a long way towards a frictionless world and then i think we'll we'll pull back from it again and i'll, I'll give you a an example so my kids again they're pretty digitally enabled someone bought them an amazon alexa god i hate those things but that's by the by they play all their music through it we've got spotify in the house they play whatever they're, they're listening to at any time in their bedrooms nice and loudly to annoy everybody but Spotify doesn't have all the music necessarily they play, and sometimes what Alexa will do is it will play from Amazon Music. The first time you pay with Amazon Music, you're charged a monthly subscription, and it keeps charging you for your subscription. 
all you played was one song from Amazon. But because you played one song from Amazon and you were directed to play me this song, you're then charged, I think it's £9 um, every month. So you see the transaction, what do you do? You go back and cancel it. But actually that monthly subscription's already rolled into the next month. So you've had to pay for it twice. So you cancel it, kids go, Alexa, play me this. And it does the same thing again. Um, you know, not wanting to call Amazon out on it, but but I will. That was pretty, pretty poor behavior. Spotify won't do that because actually it won't let you integrate with those services without having a subscription in, in, in the first place. So we've got a world where everything's on demands. SaaS software as a service is becoming mm. kind of the staple. Banking as a service is becoming the staple. You pay five pounds for this and 10 pounds for Netflix and 15 pounds for that and 20 for that. Before you know it, like, oh, where's all my disposable income gone? And then you have a little bit of an assessment on your financial health and start canceling everything at some point people are going to become more resistant to using their cards as a way of having merchants pull from their bank account so you know the world will go towards a more consensual way to to transact oh you just asked to buy some music do you want to pay you can only do that if you tokenize a card so this is why we're working towards a world where payment is consensual it's frictionless but it's but it's consensual and i think that's really important for the future well i'm glad to hear it james thank you so much again in the next episode we'll be discussing identity and how we can guarantee safety transparency and compliance without intrusion 